0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center. And we're going to spend a little bit of time today doing an update on addiction in the news. There's a, a lot of really interesting things that have occurred over the last few weeks, and I thought it would be helpful to share with our listeners. So thank you very much for being here.
2: Thank you.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here today.
1: Glad that you're here. So for me, and everybody kind of knows my opinion, I guess, by now, but I was very excited over the weekend to observe some of the first true tobacco ads that were aired and um, presented in the print News. So back in 2006, there was actually a lawsuit, and the U.S. Department of uh, Justice had sued the tobacco industry under the uh, RICO, the Racketeering Influence and Corruption Organization law, and they were um, Given uh, the accusation by District Court Judge Gladys um, Kessler, defendants have marketed and sold their lethal products with zeal and with deception, with a single-minded focus on their financial success and without regard for the human tragedy or social costs that this success exacted. They actually, the U.S. courts won, but it has not been until November 26th of 2017 that the tobacco companies have been forced to provide very intense and um, honest, finally, advertisements about their products. And this um, took place, and finally, they are some really true statements about what's happening with the tobacco company, including the fact that they deliberately made their... Products more addictive. Mm-hmm.
3: It was really interesting because um, um, we had been out of town recently. We went to Mexico and we were flying back into the United States yesterday, as a matter of fact. And so when we were going through the duty-free area, you go past the perfumes, you go past the alcohol and everything, and you get to this section where there are just rows and rows and rows of all of these different packs of tobacco and printed on the wall Word for word, verbatim, is the court order list of the things that the tobacco companies have to say now. Specifically, um, so, and I think we should read them because they're very, very clear. And and um, it was surprising to see it written up, up on the wall walking through customs but then to get home and t- home this morning and read this article and read that they are only printing exactly what they have been told they have to print and, and, and no more <laughs> and no more and no less it's just imprint
2: on the wall right there for you to see it um, next to all of your duty free cigarettes here, I'll I'll read that list. Uh, more people die every year from smoking than from murder, AIDS, suicide, drugs, car crashes, and alcohol combined.
1: Yes, last year it was estimated that 480 thousand Americans died of tobacco-related illnesses. That's um, not to underestimate the almost 90,000 people dying from alcohol-related incidents or the 40,000 people dying from uh, drug overdoses or the 39,000 people dying from car accidents – 480,000 people dying from a product that is not only legal in the United States, but in some cases subsidized by the U.S. government, is astonishing to me. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, over the weekend, uh, while you guys were out of town, <laughs> I was watching a um, an adverti- or a, a crawler on the bottom of the news um Broadcast, and it was talking about Ikea and these um, chest of drawers that apparently are top-heavy and have fallen over and have killed eight people. And the big hubbub, and not that there shouldn't be, don't misunderstand, <laughs> no hate mail, please, not that there sh- they shouldn't be held accountable, but they were putting out these recalls and all kinds of information on the uh, consumer products websites and news broadcasts recalling these chest of drawers because they were dangerous and because they killed people. Eight people. Eight people. IKEA killed eight people. And when we look over, it's estimated since the first Surgeon General's report uh, back in 1964, through the 50-year anniversary, which was um, 2014, that uh, there have been over 20 million Americans die of tobacco-related injuries and illnesses. And
2: here There's no come. recall for that.
1: There's no recall. And it's still legal. So just saying. Anyway, sorry. So
2: I'll, I'll get back to this list Um Smoking also causes reduced fertility, low birth weight in newborns, and cancer of the cervix. The third one is smoking is highly addictive. Nicotine is the addictive drug in tobacco. Um, the next one, Altria, R.J. Reynolds, tobacco. Philip Morris, USA, intentionally designed cigarettes to make them more addictive. That's along with what you were saying. When you smoke, the nicotine actually changes the brain, and that's why quitting is so hard. All cigarettes cause cancer, lung disease, heart disease, and premature death. Lights, low tar, ultralights, and naturals are no different. There's no safe cigarette. Secondhand smoke causes lung cancer and coronary heart disease in adults who don't smoke. Children exposed to secondhand smoke are at an increased risk for sudden death infant syndrome, SIDS, acute respiratory infections, ear problems, severe asthma, and a reduced lung function and there is no safe level of exposure to secondhand smoke. So they've been required to have these graphic
3: labels put on all of their packaging. And so I imagine when you see the packaging, it's either going to be just so tiny having every bit of it on there or it'll be like one of those. So seeing them all printed out word for word as Michael's just read them on the wall going through through uh, the duty-free section was really quite interesting.
1: The one that I saw on the um, on, on television was a very stark gray, light gray background, and then the words appearing as, um, as a very monotone female voice read, the first, uh, or the one about um, uh, Addictive. That, that tobacco is highly addictive. Um, the nicotine is the addictive substance. Read very clearly. Nothing else said the names of the tobacco companies appearing. Um, this ad was paid for by. And uh, so they're going to be running these ads. They're required to put them in major newspapers and run them at prime time on uh, major networks. and uh,
2: What about online?
1: Um, They're available online.
2: But I I was wondering if they are going to do pop-ups like um, so many of us get from other advertisers.
1: That's a good question. I don't know, but um, do you know? No, I don't. Okay. Yes, I, I, I'm not sure how long these ads have to run, but I think that it's going to be very interesting. I the the cynic in me says this probably won't make much difference, but on the other hand, I think there. While well, everybody nowadays knows that smoking causes lung cancer, I think that's probably if you ask most people on the street that they would be able to at least tell you that, what disease can be caused by smoking. I think most people could say that, where I hope that they are at least... Um, learning something new is this uh, the information about the secondhand smoke mm-hmm. and the information about that the companies actually made the cigarettes more addictive and advertised these low tar, low um, as whatever, a safe
2: alternative
3: as
1: a safe safer alternative.
2: I don't know that they ever said they were safer, but they implied greatly that they that your risk was a lot less. Having getting less tar
3: per cigarette, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know when we when we were living up in Canada, they already had the graphic packaging. So in in Canada it was incredibly graphic. There would be like a picture of a black lung or a picture of a, um, um, a cancer ridden patient. Um, so it wasn't just the graphic statements; it was these right. graphic pictures. And up there, there would still be people paying ten, twelve dollars for a pack of cigarettes. Um, so, I'm sure that the number comes down, has come down, but there are still people that, that even with this, are going to reach for their substance.
1: You know, over the years, I think there has been impact, though. Uh, back in 1964, when the first um, Surgeon General's report came out, the, um, almost 50% of males in the United States smoked, mm-hmm. and almost 30% of females smoked. So, over the years, it's taken us 50 years to bring these numbers down. Um, so, I think that eventually people are getting the message. The problem is those folks that are physiologically addicted are still having a tremendous difficulty in in being able to stop smoking.
2: Well, and, and this brings up that point, which we've talked about before, but... Uh, You hear of so many people that go inpatient for treatment and come out a cigarette smoker who have gone into treatment not being a cigarette smoker.
1: Right. So they're going to treatment for addiction and they come out maybe not drinking alcohol, maybe not using heroin, but are now addicted to smoking. And we hear this way too often.
2: And there's several that at least make cigarettes available for sale in their facilities. facilities.
1: Which is, again... <laughs>
3: it's silencing because you just don't... You, you have the sense of wanting to name names when you hear that, but that's <laughs> yeah. probably not the wisest thing to do. Um Fortunately with this I believe there's also a real emphasis that these this information is being passed along and and when you know therapists and doctors are meeting with patients they are now being rated on do you ask your patient about smoking habits and do you counsel them on stopping so at least the message is being pushed more so than it ever was before
1: And I think these stark honest ads finally at least allow the discussion, and hopefully people will be talking about this, and will use this as a teaching opportunity with their children, and will take a second to thought themselves about we're coming to the end of the year and New Year's resolutions. We all know people struggle with those, but this could be a really important movement um, for people to to take this seriously and to really recognize that this is not. Um, This is the number one preventable cause of death in the world. No one has to die from this disease. And we used to think, or people used to say, well, this is, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. But that is just not true. The secondhand smoke truly does injure and kill people. So you're not just hurting yourself, you're hurting your loved ones. So think about it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at more addiction in the news. Thanks for listening.
4: The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
0: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.
5: This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol.
1: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and this is America's Web Radio. Today, Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center are with me, and we're discussing addiction in the news. During our break, one of our listeners did pose an answer to your question, Michael, about whether these ads need to actually play on social media.
2: And that answer was that um, they indeed do not um and they know that that's where the majority of the young people are, are getting their news or looking at things. So so there's a good chance that, that 12 to 18-year-olds will not see these, see ads, these at ads at all.
1: Which is tragic because that's the age group that is most likely to begin smoking. And the tobacco industry clearly understands that. The first cigarettes that you smoke are likely to be the brand that you will smoke the rest of your life. So very important to get them early and uh, to get them started. So that's an unfortunate uh, piece of this that the advertisements will not really be targeted, unlike their previous ads that were targeted to young people. These ads will probably miss a lot of young people. Also, the cost of the ads is to be $30 million, which, um doesn't really make uh, a huge impact on their bottom line since each of these tobacco companies named makes billions of dollars. That's billions with a B per year. So,
3: well, And you figure if they've already put this up on the duty-free walls at hospitals around the world, I mean airports around the world, then they've probably already spent that amount. And young people are never going to see these anyway because <laughs> they're not necessarily going there. Perhaps and we
1: thank our listener very much for that updated information.
3: Perhaps the, the the e-cigarette industry will learn from what's going on, if, if it's not in fact the same industry, because um, researchers out of North Carolina at the um, Lineberger Comprehensive Cancer Care Center in North Carolina have been doing some, some tracking of the e-cigarette business. And part of what they found was that... Um, in 2014, there were 3,096 online e-cigarette vendors, which is up from 980 just the year before, and that of the 283 most popular sites for getting e-cigarettes, the information that was included in there um, was was really mixed. There was information saying it helps people quit smoking, it's healthier than smoking regular cigarettes. Um th- Along with with um, statements saying this is not recommended as a cigarette smoking or cigarette cessation product, um, so a lot of mixed messages coming from that. A- at the same time, their their pricing ranges from anywhere from zero dollars to two hundred dollars for a starter pack, um, based on the the uh, the style that you want to get, or I guess the the Oil the the cartridges, cartridges that you want want to get, and who they're reaching for, and the articles clearly clearly highlighted that once again they're they're advertising to the children and to the young people, and and going with youth appealing flavors um, to to try and yet again reach those young people and get them young and get them early. So it's the you know the same. Nicotine is the addictive drug in cigarettes, and it's also the addictive drug in e-cigarettes, and there's not a safe option.
1: And unfortunately, while the FDA was able to justify their claim that because nicotine is a tobacco product that they should have jurisdiction over the e-cigarette market, they have delayed instituting any kind of restrictions on this market, and so these cigarettes are available to anyone who would like to purchase them, including individuals under the age of 18. The other interesting thing is, that many of you may not know, is that um, they, uh, the federal policies ban the use of credit cards to purchase cigarettes. And I don't know if you've noticed, if you go to um, even a, a big box store and you purchase cigarettes, they have to be purchased by with cash or um, debit cards. They're, you're not allowed to use a credit card. However, the online purchases of e-cigarettes are allowed to use uh, credit cards. And um, so... They've found that at least a third of the vendors are um, are using um, credit cards to of uh, the online be- vendors are using credit cards to uh, pay for the purchase. Um, there are also um, only about eight percent in 2014 made any um, attempt at verifying the age of the person of the purchaser. Shipping, too.
2: So eight percent.
1: Yes. Okay. Made any attempt, um, which very difficult on a um, on an online purchase to to validate that. They also have promotions and uh, all kinds of enhancements, enticements, excuse me, um, for individuals to purchase and to try. And the studies are showing that more young people are using e-cigarettes, at least as a starting place, than are using cigarettes. So the strategy is working, the easy availability, the tasty flavors and the um the marketing techniques have made this a real option for unfortunately a lot of our children
2: right and 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 the delivery system of these devices um it's interesting when when they first start they'll have something that looks like a rudimentary uh fake cigarette and then if they continue using it oftentimes it turns into a little bit more elaborate-looking device, high-tech, shiny, um, status symbol type of of thing. I think it's really interesting that they so quickly go from that starter kit and, um, you know, inexpensive delivery system because they know that they're going to get you on the other end buying the... the, refills. But and one of the things that they were emphasizing is that
3: not they know that nicotine is the chemical that causes dependency, but in terms of analyzing the health impact of this with all of these different different um, devices for delivering the vapor, they really have no idea what the health impact of that is going to be.
1: Correct. Correct. And unfortunately uh, those studies are going to be a ways down the um, down the, the line before we have any of those studies done. And in the meantime, many people are becoming addicted, and many people are using them, increasing the percentage of nicotine, and many people are finding this as their new entryway into the use of tobacco products, because that's one of the things that clearly we have found among our patients. Some folks will vape, use the um, electronic delivery systems, but the vape shop is closed. They've run out of juice. It's real easy to just stop by the oh. gas station and Pick purchase mm-hmm. um tobacco. So many of them are using both.
3: But, and we're also starting to see the generation of people who started with vapors, right? So we had we had the the ones who had been long term smokers, and they were using the vapors to the vaporizers to stop smoking, and we're finding that they were doing both, or they were they were um, cutting down mm-hmm. at times, but then going right back up, and now we're starting to have some clients who are of that age group where. They started off with vaporizers, and they're using their bubblegum-flavored vaporizers just like when they were children.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So while there are some folks that claim to use these as cessation products there's really very mixed evidence as to whether or not this is actually true. So difficult, um, a difficult situation, and this study from the University of um, North Carolina certainly highlights that and the fact that this does indeed seem to be a way that young children are able to access um, nicotine, bypassing a lot of the other safeguards that we have. Porous as they are <laughs> in terms of preventing children from having access to cigarettes, this is um, this is a way, and this is their this is their medium. This is where they get uh, access to all of the things they review and things they like and things that they buy mm-hmm. it's over the internet. Mm-hmm. So it's a, certainly a marketing strategy that is um, going to be very successful, I think, unfortunately.
3: Unfortunately.
1: So, um, there's a couple of other really interesting things that have um, uh, come out in the news. And one was an editorial that was um, found in the uh, Colorado Gazette, I believe, Um Colorado Springs Gazette. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Looking at the fifth year anniversary of Colorado's legalization of the commercial marijuana trade. And unfortunately, this review lets us know that there have not been All great successes that uh, were predicted. In fact, there is a growing number of homeless people that are living in Colorado, and particularly in the bigger cities. A lot of folks have uh, come there specifically because uh, marijuana was available, was legal, and many of them have stayed there in spite of not having a home or a means of support, and their homeless rate has climbed uh, significantly, in fact, to um, one of the highest homeless rates in the country. Homeless shelters um, are are overridden with people looking for places to sleep, and it's winter.
2: Well, and what's so interesting is we we hear that story a lot from some of our millennial um, patients. That you know, one of their backup plans, one of their, their like back pocket plan is, well, if if this all doesn't work out, I'll just um, move to Colorado and get a job in the new industry and, and you know, be able to smoke pot and do what I want. Interesting.
1: Interesting that uh, that is their that is their thought.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So it was interesting, the, um, the Colorado Marijuana Accountability Coalition um, really was talking about how it's one thing for these places to decriminalize marijuana. It's an entirely different thing to legalize an industry that that um, is having such a devastating impact on our kids and, and something that I really think needs to be highlighted.
1: We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look a little bit deeper into this story about the impact on Colorado. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back.
5: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.atlantahealingcenter.com.
4: Whether well, cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy, or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com.
1: This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m.
4: The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction, or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center are with me today. And we're looking at addiction in the news. Right before the break, we started talking about this article, uh, actually an editorial that was in the Colorado Springs Gazette, celebrating or at least acknowledging, I guess celebrating is probably not the proper term, but acknowledging the five-year anniversary of um, legalization of uh, marijuana in Colorado and looking at the impact that it has actually had on the state. Now, depending on where you read and depending on whom you talk to, there are a variety of... um, Reports and ways in which this uh, material is presented to the public, but there are some things that are pretty disturbing. And uh, the the thing that's um, impressed me was the increase in the number of fatal drug. Um, fatal car crashes that involved people using marijuana. That that number has actually doubled in uh, the last five years. And this is, um, This is something that is of of great concern. Overall, and this is one of the things that you hear more frequently, overall the number of fatal crashes has actually gone down in Colorado, but the number of fatal crashes involving marijuana has doubled. So overall people are driving more safely and less impaired, except those folks with marijuana, which has doubled.
2: That's interesting because um, in the Rocky Mountain PBS series or study, it, it showed that K through 12, the use of marijuana has increased 71%. But other incidents has that happen at school have generally dropped, except for the marijuana use. Um, and, and then they did a number where overall, overall, I'm sorry, that 71% was was, um, the high school age. Right. Has risen 71%, but overall has risen 45%.
1: Through kindergarten through 12th grade, um, incidents in which kids are disciplined for um, problems at school, and the uh, greatest increase, that 45% overall, has been in drug related, marijuana related violations. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. It is. And worrisome, especially when we look and see that Colorado now has a, the, the number one, the highest number of um, young people using marijuana in the nation.
3: Well, and and the aspect of it um, um, related to the homelessness that's increasing, you know, you, you mentioned kind of half-heartedly that winter is coming. Um, the but that is a, a real serious thing. The reality is winter is coming and they have the, the, the highest is that what I I had read one of the highest one of the highest in the nation for homelessness and, and we've been you know and here in Georgia <laughs> um, hearing from from clients who have spent some time out in Colorado who you know as as teenagers decided that was going to be the the place of their dreams and they were going to go to Colorado and strike their fortune in this new this new marijuana industry and what has been the consistent story is they got out there and. Um, um, there was nothing to do. Some of them found themselves being dealers, but most of them found themselves being homeless, and um, um, that, you know, they weren't alone. That, that was such a, a trend throughout the nation, of people going to Colorado and, and becoming marijuana homeless kids.
1: <laughs> it reminds me of our conversation a number of years ago with David Smith, the founder of the Haight-Ashbury Free Clinic in San Francisco, talking about what happened in um, 1969 in San Francisco where all of the young people heard about the drug culture that was happening in San Francisco and they flocked there with... Um, Really, their goal being to use drugs and not much further thought about how am I going to live, where am I going to live, how am I going to be able to eat, how am I going to be able to take care of myself, and um, our, our young people these days are going to Colorado thinking that they'll get a job in the business. And as you said, David, their job in the business is not working at a dispensary or working in a nursery growing marijuana. It's being a drug dealer because that's the other piece of this. The cost of the legal marijuana is more expensive than the illegal marijuana and so they've had this increase in the black market marijuana and so drug dealers are still needed there apparently and many of our folks got a job in the business but not in the legitimate legal business they were being drug dealers out there much like they had been drug dealers at at home, except now they have no home and no place to live and no place to stay.
3: Right. Well, and it's interesting that you bring up 1969, and they talk about you know this is the summer of love, and all of the advertisements and other things that you hear about it was this was like this glory time in in at Hey, Ashbury. Um, but what we know from Dr. Smith was that there were a lot of people <coughs> overdosing. A lot of people that were dying right there on the street, and that's why he started his business, his um, practice was to help these kids not have to die from these, these choices. Um, and he had to find ways that he could treat them um, without, without, you know, violating the law, which at that point was much stricter in terms of trying to treat addiction.
1: So it's, uh, it, it sounds great. And it is very appealing, and I could see why it would be to a lot of our patients. But um, unfortunately, what we're really seeing is that it, it is not, uh, not the wonderful place.
3: And the part that really strikes me is that there, there are such clear studies that the younger the use of uh, marijuana the higher the likelihood of, of psychiatric issues um, and the higher the likelihood of, of of not achieving in life's successes not you know not going to college not finding a spouse not finding a career um, and you know there was a study years ago in New Zealand that showed that that their economic impact was on average ten thousand dollars less than non-smokers and and the studies there's another another study now from here in the States validating that same story.
1: Right. That, that study in New Zealand, which was actually funded by the National Institute of Health, looked at the impact of marijuana um, economically as well as on IQ. And what they found, on average, was the chronic marijuana users had an eight-point drop in IQ. Well, this study at the University of Connecticut um, was reported on November 5th at the American Public Health Association um, annual meeting, and they discussed about this collaborative study on the genetics of alcoholism. And they've tracked the effects of alcohol and marijuana on educational achievement, full-time employment, marriage, and socioeconomic potential. The study that they've been doing involves um, almost 1,200 young adults across the United States whose habits were first assessed when they were 12 years of age, and then every two years, They were um, assessed um, until they got to be either 25 or 34 years old. Everyone in the study had either a parent, a grandparent, or an aunt or uncle that had the diagnosis of alcoholism, and this is um, this has been a very interesting study in that they've tracked these folks, much as those individuals were tracked in New Zealand. It's a longitudinal study; these are not randomized. Uh, they weren't picking out people. That had um, were using drugs or not using drugs. The the people included in this genetic study of alcoholism, uh, the criteria was that you had one first degree relative that had the diagnosis of alcoholism.
3: Part of what was so interesting for me when I was reading that study was the, the difference between males and females. In, in this study, the males actually achieved um, lower on in all four areas that you had mentioned in terms of career, college, marriage, and full-time employment. But the, the females, um, only in two of the areas, the females didn't have a high, higher education and they didn't have um, – Um,
1: The marital issues.
3: Right. So they they got married and they worked, (laughs) Um, but they they didn't get the education. So, I mean, that speaks to where they probably are working and how it's impacting their life on an economic basis. Um,
1: Because some of these kids did um, develop issues with alcohol and marijuana, correct?
3: Yes, yeah um and it highlighted that that uh i'm i'm blank on the the number but that the impact was that the, you know that the ones who were using marijuana at an early age even greater than the ones who were using marijuana and booze the ones that were using marijuana had the the, the impact in terms of their educational outlook and their financial outlook
1: And we know that um, happens uh, as we look at our patients, that um, the trajectory, if you will, of impact of alcohol is a much longer one. Mm -hmm. People are able to be, and for those of you who can't see me on the radio, um, using air quotes, uh, people that are functional alcoholics, often... Not always, but often are not really sufficiently impaired, if you will, from their disease of alcoholism until they are in their um, 40s and 50s. Uh, do they come into treatment? But with marijuana, we're seeing the impact much earlier. So a lot of our folks that drink alcohol drank in high school, drank in college, drank in medical school, drank in law school. Not until their 40s and 50s did that disease really fully um, impact them to the point of treatment. That's not the case with marijuana. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more addiction in the news.
4: If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.atlantahealingcenter.com.
5: Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction.
1: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today, Michael Daly and David Donaldson and I have been discussing addiction in the news. And right before the break, we talked about the study that was being done from the University of Connecticut, this longitudinal study looking at the impact of alcohol and marijuana use among um, young adults, adolescents and young adults, as they move through their life from age 12 to age 34. And very clearly, those folks who used alcohol and marijuana had a significant impact on their level of achievement, marijuana having a a greater impact than alcohol. And we talked about the trajectory of uh, the alcoholic versus the person with marijuana and we see, um, again, not that (laughs) I'm favoring one over the other because I'm not, but um, what we see is that many times kids are able to still graduate high school, still get into college, complete college, complete professional school, get jobs using alcohol, but the impact that we see and that isn't true for everybody, but right. a lot of people can. But when we see the, the marked change that happens in adolescents that begin using marijuana and they're... Um, now suddenly having more problems in school they're not attending school they're failing classes often these are the individuals who may not graduate from high school or may get into college but then fail out very quickly that impact cognitively of marijuana is pretty significant and something to be concerned about
2: well and it, it always worries me when I when I hear this term from parents, um, failure to launch, because in my head that rings off a bell that says that failure to launch has a has a pipe or or, or a bong attached to it.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> And a, a significant uh, problem for a lot of people. We also see the often, uh, often the way this plays out in the in the young person's life is with this sudden drop in grades and lack of interest in school and sports and music lessons. Um, the family then begins looking for the doctor to put the person on medication for ADD because Mm -hmm. that's got to be the reason. (laughs) And um, so sometimes they'll see a little bit of improvement, but often it's just another um, substance that they misuse or they sell to be able to afford to get the marijuana that they really want.
3: Or just becomes a part of that, that whole picture of, of what starts to look like a bipolar di- disorder where they're using uppers and, and then downers to chill out. And, and and by the time they're seeking treatment, they're <coughs> so used to finding some medication or, or another to con- constantly change their mood.
1: Exactly.
3: So another study, if we want to go into to one that I actually found really interesting, was this, again, on this connection between alcohol and nicotine. Um, because um, researchers have long known that there is a connection between mm-hmm. alcohol and nicotine, but th- not really put a, a finger on it. This study that came out of the University of Missouri, um, was looking at what might be some of the possible combinations. And one of the things they they noticed is that one of the the negative side effects of alcohol use is sleepiness. And what they have found is that people who are 85% 85% of the people who are addicted to alcohol are also nicotine-dependent. Yes. And what they have found is that when people are drinking and they're getting sleepy, that the nicotine acts as a stimulant and wakes them back up and allows them to keep that that um, process going longer, um, which makes complete sense when you think about um, that that sitting, you know, the picture of the the alcoholic at the bar and the cigarettes right in front of him. That makes you um, really question getting nicotine out of bars if that (laughs) has had an impact there. Um,
1: And a a number of our patients and folks that we've worked with will report that the only time they smoke is when they drink. Mm Mm-hmm and that if they are drinking, they suddenly are craving cigarettes and vice, vice versa. versa. If they're smoking, they uh, crave nicotine. So for our our individuals who come in and want help with alcohol but are not really interested in not smoking, we have to give them the really bad news that these two are linked so closely and synergistic in that either... Um, by themselves does not give the same buzz and the same high as the two of them together. So together, they actually give a a greater release of dopamine, a greater and longer high, and not only are they being waked up, wrong use of word, um, but being... uh, more alert and can drink longer, but they're also getting the additive effects of the release of dopamine from both of these um, substances.
3: And one of the biggest complaints that they have in early recovery is is their inability to sleep. sleep. And so they'll They'll be talking to their doctors about, I've been sober this amount of time and I still can't sleep, and then they'll be prescribed Seroquel or Trazodone or Clonopin to help them with their sleep issues. Meanwhile, they're smoking a pack of cigarettes before bedtime.
1: Right. And getting up in the night every few hours and what do they do when they wake up? They go smoke smoke, and then they can go back to sleep. They often equate that smoking with um, it's calming me down and making it so that I can go to sleep when the reality is no, you're waking up during the night because you're in nicotine withdrawal and when you take another hit of nicotine then the withdrawal goes away and you can go back to sleep. So the disorder that we often see with smokers in, in their Sleep is that they're waking up every hour, every two hours, and the reason for that is often nicotine withdrawal,
3: which, in and of itself, is causing anxiety issues and stress um, and issues because they're not
2: getting regular restful sleep. Well, and 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 the thing is, I'm going to kind of plug some stuff here, but. It's interesting because right now, scientifically, there are a lot more answers to helping people stop smoking, stop using nicotine, um, or at least using some form of nicotine and then tapering down than there used to be.
1: Absolutely.
2: Um, and it's interesting that, that so many places that this would be, um, should be, you know, really pushed are not interested in doing that because the folks don't have that desire to quit all of it at once.
1: Right. And they don't have the understanding and it's not encouraged that um, the understanding that actually it's easier to quit all of them at one time and your improvement in your ability to stay sober, if you stop smoking, is uh, a 25% improvement in your ability to give up the other substances. So you're right, Michael. There are a number. We have five different categories of medications that are FDA-approved for smoking cessation. That's more than any other um, drug that we know of that's addicting. Right. Uh, So we have a lot of options. We also have a lot of non-pharmaceutical options that are very helpful. The um, amino acid N-acetylcysteine is something that we have found very helpful in appropriate doses for reducing cravings for nicotine, cravings for marijuana, cravings for cocaine, cravings for um, alcohol. And it is one of the... um, Uh, over-the-counter supplements, the nutraceuticals that people can use that can greatly impact their ability to discontinue the use of smoking. So we do have some folks that either for personal preference or uh, because of medical reasons, they can't use a nicotine replacement or some of the other pharmaceuticals. Um, Some of the nutraceuticals that we have available now that have good scientific basis to Mm -hmm. help people support the stop smoking so important for people to consider and on another high point, I think we should end on a, a high point. Okay. There, there's also um, a recent study that shows that a medication called naltrexone, which many people are very familiar with in terms of uh, use for blocking the opiate receptors and for stopping people from using opiates, um, prescription drugs and heroin, uh, low doses of this uh, same medication given by mouth can really help young people decrease their urge to binge drink or to use alcohol. Also, at low doses, there um, are some studies that show it can help people also lose weight. So there's a number of things out there that can be very helpful for people. As you're thinking about your New Year's resolutions, uh, we hope that you'll consider a healthier lifestyle. And we wish you all um, a happy week, and we'll see you next week on Detailing Addiction.
5: So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.atlantahealingcenter.com.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.